0: Walking the Dog is an amateur podcast devised, recorded, edited and produced by me, creation speaker Paul Taylor. I work for the ministry Creation Today in Pensacola, Florida, website creationtoday.org and I'm the co-presenter of the Creation Today show, though this podcast is produced privately from my personal website justsixdays.com. As an amateur effort, it doesn't have the same level of production as our ministry products. The podcast is called Walking the Dog because I record it while walking my dog Fraser, who is a Shetland sheepdog. This explains the background noises of birds, frogs, and trains that you will hear, as well as barking. All opinions and views expressed in this podcast are my own. Walking the Dog, Episode 8. Okay, Fraser, sit. Sit. Good boy. Take your collar off, and you can have a bit of a run around, eh? you like that, won't you? Come on. There we go. Have a little bit of a run. Hi there. Welcome to Walking the Dog. This is my podcast to do with uh, creation issues and related issues to do with biblical authority. And uh, as you can tell from that, phrases just run off. Um, running a heavy way, we can have a bit more freedom. I usually record these podcasts while I'm out walking my dog, Fraser. He's a Shetland Sheepdog, and uh, you know he looks like a basically looks like a baby collie. You know the lassie dogs. It's like one of those, only much smaller. So that, uh, although he's fully grown, he looks he, he always looks like a puppy really because of that. Well, we enjoy this uh, time out uh, walking together and uh, and talking. And uh, I've been having a great deal of fun researching for my new book. That's what I thought I'd uh, talk to you about first, because um, I'm, I'm when I say new book, I'll have an, I'll have a book coming out uh, later this year, which is called Don't Miss the Boat, which is about the flood. Now I'm not talking about that book because that book is already written. Already with the publishers, uh, just doing some uh, final edits. I've been looking at some of the covers for that. So, you know, these things take a long while. And when you say when you say, "Oh, uh, Porter's got a new book out," you might be expecting the book I'm talking about now to be out this year. Well, it, it won't be out this year. God willing, it will be out next year. Uh, uh, this year's book is uh, "Don't Miss the Flood," but uh, next year I've got a book which um, I'm researching at the moment, and provisionally the title for the book is. Where Birds Eat Horses. Where Birds Eat Horses. Now then, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the uh, the contents of the book and some of the things I've been finding out about it, but I think it might be interesting for you to see if you can work out where I got the title for the book, um, the reasoning behind the title for the book and uh, there'll be a little competition for that. So, you know, if you're one of the uh, millions of people who listen to this podcast—well, uh, about three or four, anyway—then um, you could drop me a line. I'll, I'll actually put a special page, I think, on my website, just at sixdays.com. Come on, over here. A uh, Special uh, page on the website, and um, we'll—you'll uh, be able to um, fill that in and uh, let me know what you think the answer to uh, this question is. Why is the book called "Where Birds"? eat horses. Okay, now, I did a talk some while ago when I was uh, back in England, which was called The Language of Evolution. And uh, this book is really based on that talk and expands on that idea. And it's really on the idea that the majority of so-called evidence for evolution is actually nothing to do with science at all. It's to do with the use of language. But you go into a museum and you see the various evidences that they have produced. The evidence is not inside the glass case, the evidence is outside the glass case on the cards with their particular clever use of words. And there's a lot of different things that they do. Um, and we use language in its broadest sense to mean the whole way that they broadcast things. So we're not just simply talking about words, but also their use of pictures and illustrations and, you know, on video videos, the way that they juxtapose certain things, uh, that language is very important, the way that they talk about things. And that's uh, the way that they put across their message, because they don't have a message that's based on facts, they only have a message that's based on the use of language. One of the interesting things about doing this research is that of course that anybody can uh, can get to grips with this. And uh, I've developed a technique, which uh, I'm going to be sharing in the book and in the materials that go with the book. I've developed a technique, which I call Fuzzy Word Analysis, where you can look at one of these popular science articles, Um, and uh, analyse it without needing a degree in science to do so. You probably know the sort of things I mean. If you uh, regularly read newspapers or journals or pick up uh, popular science magazines from the uh, newsstands, from the magazine stands, or look at some of the popular science websites that go with those magazines and things, you may see some articles. And these are the sort of popular science articles. I'm not talking about the uh, um, uh, the peer-reviewed science stuff here that uh, very few people read. I'm talking about the popular science stuff that is meant to impress people, quite often written by journalists, who may not really have a great grasp of science themselves, but they're quoting scientists. And um, there's a sort of popular message being put across. But even so, a lot of people don't feel equal to the task of uh, criticising these articles. And uh, One of the things that I do in uh, the book, and as I said, I'll be doing it with materials that will go with the book, Uh, God willing, some uh, video material and so on, and uh, some workbooks, it's showing people how to use this fuzzy word analysis so that anybody, so long as you speak English <laughs> and write English, you'll be able to go through these articles and you'll be able to find out what's the real science and what's just the uh, the language, the pseudoscience that the evolutionists use. It's quite eye-opening. Uh, very, very interesting indeed. So that's what the book is about. And as I said, I'm thoroughly enjoying putting the book together and doing some research. And what I want to talk about um, uh, shortly, really, is is, uh, an example of um, some of the research that uh, has gone into the book. Um, I think you'll find it fascinating. But just before I get on to that, just to repeat, the book is going to be called Where Birds Eat Horses. Now remember that the subject of the book um, is to do with my talk, The Language of Evolution, how language is being used to promote evolution rather than science. So why would a book on that topic be called Where Birds Eat Horses? What's the relevance of that phrase? you might, some of you might have to dig deep find uh, out a little bit about some of the uh, various materials that have been produced by evolutionists in the past, some of the more famous materials that have been produced by evolutionists and uh, I think you'll be fascinated to find out where I've got the title for that book and uh, I am producing a chapter that explains the title of the book because it's a, just a fascinating story as to why I would use that title so if you can uh, tell me why you think uh, um, I've uh, given that title. I have a, a, a small ebook that I think you might find useful. It's an ebook. Um, you know, we've been doing a lot of work on the subject of presuppositional apologetics at the Creation Today ministry. And when we did the Proof of God conference, I was asked to do a talk called um, "Evidence versus Proof." and uh, really looking at the whole use of evidence. You know, if we're saying that evidence is not what we use for our apologetics, then is there actually any point in evidence? And in my talk I showed, yes, there is. We start from the presupposition, and there are ways that evidence can be used in a presuppositional context. So, I've expanded on the talk there. Uh, you'll find that talk in the uh, materials from the Proof of God conference that uh, we sell at Creation Today. But I've expanded on that Material and I produced an ebook, a uh, small ebook, which we're also selling at Creation today. But I'll tell you what, I will let you, uh, you have one. Free copy of that ebook. One copy of that ebook for the first person to be able to contact me through the Just Six Days website, through the uh, uh, the page about uh, this particular podcast, and um, tell me why it is that the book that I'm researching, the proper uh, printed book that I'm researching, is called Where Birds Eat Horses. So the first person to give me that will get a free copy of the ebook evidence versus proof. Uh, when I say a free copy of it, I'll send it to you in three formats so you can choose whichever one you like. It's in EPUB format and PDF format and also Mobi format. EPUB will work on the majority of e-readers on the market. PDF will work on your PC and you can print it out if you wish and uh, Mobi is the uh, one that works at, uh, that's compatible with Kindles and you'll be able to read it on, uh, on a Kindle. So I'll send all three of those in a zipped-up file and you can use that uh, ebook how you wish. So that's a free e-book for the first person to contact me through the Just Six Days website, through the page about this particular podcast, Walking the Dog, and tell me why is the book that I'm working on going to be called Where Birds Eat Horses. Well, for Ethan and I've been walking along a pathway that goes along the railway track near our house in uh, Pensacola and an uh, interesting railway track. I've not really come across anything quite like this in Britain. It is a single track railway doesn't really, there's very very few bridges for it to go under or over, in most cases it goes across level crossings of a single track railway, goes across some large highways and it goes all the way across Highway 98, uh, known as Nine Mile Road here, and uh, the traffic has to stop, because this railway is quite busy, so the traffic has to stop fairly frequently, the barriers go down, the lights flash, and uh, this uh, huge highway, <laughs> six lane highway, comes to a stop while the, uh, the trains go across, and the trains are not small. Uh, I don't know. I I, I sometimes wonder whether some of the trains are a mile long. I might be exaggerating. I probably am. But, uh, you know, some of them are pulled by up to four engines and huge numbers of uh, freight trucks after them. And they're all exclusive freight. There's no passenger trains on this railway. But it's uh, it's very busy. Anyway, you haven't... uh, downloaded the podcast to hear about the uh, the railways of Pensacola. You've downloaded the podcast to hear about issues to do with creation. And I was talking about uh, my new book, Where Birds Eat Horses, and how much fun I've had researching this. Um, there was a TV programme. By the way, this uh, next exit will give you a slight clue for the competition that I posed in the first half. But there was a TV documentary on the BBC. Uh, about 12 years ago, and uh, I know that this uh, documentary has been produced, uh, has been broadcast in the United States, and has proved popular in the United States too. I've asked about it; people know about it. I've even found the uh, documentary on uh, Amazon, uh, on Amazon Prime. It's uh, a free um, uh, uh, broadcaster. It's not—I haven't found it on Netflix, but I found it on Amazon Prime uh, as a free uh, broadcast. Um, So, I'd better not give the title of the documentary, that will make the competition too easy. But the whole point about this is that the programme is talking about uh, supposedly prehistoric creatures that died out. Uh, And uh, in this one particular episode we're talking about a a large mammal. Now this mammal is called Andrew Sarkis and uh, they showed uh, you know, many animations of this. So uh, what, one of the interesting things about the program is it's filmed as if it was a wildlife documentary, so you see the animals walking around and behaving. Now, to a certain extent, I'm not criticising them for that. I don't mind that. I don't mind them uh, thinking up stories, you know, and uh, using their imagination based on the evidence. That's fine, and they've got to make speculations, do something else. Like I don't mind the speculation. Uh, we creationists will in, uh, get involved in uh, some sort of speculation ourselves as well, but you know, speculation. Really, speculation is the wrong word. As a judge said in a recent uh, criminal case in the United Kingdom that I was following, you can't use speculation. You can use inference. Inference from the facts. You can infer things, but speculation isn't good. Well, I think perhaps with TV documentaries, uh, It's not going to be exactly inference. It's going to be something close to inference. It's not going to be speculation. It really ought to be probably somewhere between the two. I can't force them to have everything sort of directly inferred. Um, I think some uh, artistic license has to be used uh, to create a story but wild speculation isn't good. Anyway, Andrew Sarkis, this creature is wandering around. It's a very large, predatory creature. Huge mouth, lots of teeth, and the narration is telling us that this is a predator. Not only is it a predator, it's the largest predator that ever lived. The largest predator that ever lived, uh, a mammal predator that is, not as big as uh, uh, some of the dinosaurs that we think may possibly have been predators, but the largest mammal predator that's ever lived. So here it is, wandering around. And um, huge wolf like mouth, very, very strong body, and they point out a number of things about it to say perhaps you would think that this creature is uh, related to wolves. Uh, and they say, "Oh, hyenas!" And they say, "But it isn't. It's related to sheep and goats." And they focus in on its feet and show that this creature has hooves. It is a hoofed predator. So this is basically a fierce wolf-like meat-eating sheep. Can you imagine something so terrifying out in the uh, in the wilds on the Welsh hills, and all those woolly creatures suddenly attack you? Uh, <laughs> what a terrifying prospect that would be. So that's what this creature is, they say. Come here, Fraser. Come on. We're crossing over here. So... um Uh, They do an awful lot of showing you about this particular creature. They've got a lot of things it has. Uh, They show it crunching its way through a hard-backed turtle, uh, because that's one of the things apparently that it could do. They know enough about its uh, natural history to tell you that it uh, can crunch its way through hard-backed turtles. Um, absolutely amazing so uh, that's one of the things that it can do and they showed us on the uh, on the tv program in the animation uh, absolutely spectacular so, at one point, the narrator says that oh, this is uh, not so much a wolf as a sheep in wolf's clothing. Very clever little line, that isn't it. Do you like that? Uh, I like that sort of clever. That's a, in itself a very good use of language. A uh, sheep in wolf's clothing. Of course, if it were true, uh, that would be great. Great to use a, a phrase like that. And uh, so they've got they've built up this big picture of what uh, Andrew Sarkis is about. It's, it's uh, an ungulate, uh, it's a predator, meat-eating, possibly a scavenger, but maybe a predatory carnivore, and uh, it's related to sheep and goats. So they've got a lot of uh, information, obviously an awful lot of fossil evidence that will be able to uh, explain this, haven't they? <sighs> Go on to the interweb, have a look at the various encyclopedias, Encyclopedia Britannica and so on. It's very interesting that even Wikipedia, they all have this story by the way, they all have the same story that the BBC used. It's interesting that Wikipedia for once in a way is quite honest. It uh, says at one point, we don't know whether this creature was a scavenger. Uh, just before it launches into this long story about, uh, about the creature being able to bite hardback turtles and things like that. We don't know whether this creature was a scavenger or a carnivorous predator. Because the only evidence we have is half a skull. And then they have a picture of it. Half a skull they have half a skull. You can see the eye sockets, you can see the top row of teeth, which admittedly look very sharp, and of course, is possibly an indication that the creature could be uh, some, uh, some sort of meat-eating creature. Of course, that's not definite. Fraser, come here. Come on. Come on. Sit. There are plenty of animals around today which have uh, large, sharp teeth, which are not uh, carnivorous. But uh, be that as it may, there are quite a lot of uh, animals around today that are carnivorous and have sharp teeth, so I'm not going to argue too much uh, this particular point. But the point is, it's an ungulate, they said. It has hooves. It has hooves. Can you tell what's at the end of its feet just by looking at its teeth from the top? part of the mouth, they haven't even got the lower jaw. Uh, It's absolutely incredible. So they have built up a story based on half a skull, and admittedly a couple of extra bits of bones, not not the feet, it's just incredible that they would do so. And this is the sort of language that I am talking about. That's the sort of language that I'm talking about and it's been great fun, you know, I've had a real, quite a, a laugh on occasions where, because this isn't an isolated example. Uh, there are lots and lots of other examples of the use of language to defend evolution, which uh, we've included in the book and put it together for, for the presentations and the videos and so on. I find it fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Remember, the book is going to be called Where Birds Eat Horses. I'll give you a free copy of my e-book. Uh, evidence versus proof if you will uh, uh, if you are the first person to tell me through the website just six days.com through the page uh, about this particular podcast if you will be the first person to tell me why why um, the book is called Where Birds Eat Horses. Where have I got that particular uh, title from? Well, it's been great fun uh, walking out here in the rain, <laughs> throwing it down with rain. Phrase so is quite wet. Been dodging lots of puddles by the side of the railway track, and uh, we're just about home now. So I think it's time to sign off. Bye now. That was walking the dog. An amateur podcast on biblical issues it can be found at the personal website of Paul Taylor just sixdays.com For details of products by Paul and other good products visit creationtoday.org or creationstore.org